instead of him. That we may be pleasing to him. Leave that verse 9 up there, please. Sorry. Thank you. You're so good at moving with me when I don't move that throw them off. Now, I want you to hear those words. We labor. That automatically makes you think of work. I don't know about it. It makes me automatically think of work. We aim. We have an ambition to be accepted of him or to please him. How many of you would say that you have a desire to please God and to be accepted of God? I think that's true of us, right? How many of you say that some days you feel like you're laboring to be accepted of him or to please him? Yeah. That's what Paul was addressing. We labor to please him, to be accepted of him. It's what we do. And that sounds very positive, doesn't it? And so it is, it can be, that our aim, that our goal. But he's addressing this element of our desire to be in a right relationship. Accepted. You ever, you ever been in a relationship? Uh, maybe you had a relationship where you really appreciated and valued that relationship and then something happened that sort of drove you apart and then you thought man I'm, I'm going to work to try to get accepted I, I want to try to heal this relation anybody we're human I'm guessing if you're over 20 you've had this happen okay then, okay I'm going to work to try to Restore this relationship. Okay? Right? Maybe it was a coworker, Right? Maybe it was a brother or a sister. Maybe it was in your family. Right? Who knows? Maybe it was in the body of Christ. Maybe it was a high school friend. I don't know. Broken relationship. And you thought, I'm going to work. I, I, I want to I get acceptance again. Acceptance has been lost. I want acceptance. I want to please them. And, I, and so I begin to... You sort of get this picture of you want to restore the relationship that's clearly fractured. That's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about how we labor and we work to be accepted of him. We're we're trying to be in right relationship. We want to please him. Stay with me. You'll see this context. Now he so that's why now you can go to verse 10. That's why he follows that, and then it says, this seems like a harsh thing to follow. I want to be accepted and pleasing to God. I'm laboring to please God. Doesn't it seem interesting that he follows that? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I hope I'm pleasing him because that's coming. Now, I'm not making light of this scripture. Don't misunderstand me. It's very true. And it's to arrest our attention and help us understand. I want to be pleasing to him. I want to be accepted of him. Because I do understand. One of the elements is I'm going to appear before him one day. Where he will not be sitting in the seat of Savior. He will be sitting in the seat of judgment. 
the judgment seat of Christ. Now, that can't be our only motivator to please him. Okay? That's a fear motivator, and that's not what the Apostle Paul is trying to bring here is fear. He's trying to bring understanding, not fear. Okay? Stay with me. We're getting somewhere. You'll see. We must all be fear. And, and not only are we just going to appear before him, we're going to receive the things done in our body. Good or bad, we're going to receive for it. The Amplified named all those different things, right? Held responsible for actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of time, opportunities, and abilities. And that's a load. Did I please him? Did I please him with my actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use of my time, my opportunities, and abilities? Did I please him? Were they acceptable to him? Does that make sense in the context of verse 9? That's how he's writing and communicating. So we read that in King James. You don't get all that if you move too quick. So that makes it very sobering. Rightly so. It's a sober thing. Then he follows that with, Therefore, since we know, the verse 11, the terror of the Lord or the fear of the Lord, and we understand the importance of obedience and worship is what the Amplified says, because of this, we're made manifest to God. We're made manifest to God. The King James or the New King James that we read says we're well known to God. In other words, when we're standing there, it's not like we're going to be able to fool God at that point. At any time, right? He's still talking in this. We wanted to be pleasing to him. We stand before the judgment seat to receive these things done in our body. And we know the fear of the Lord. We have the fear of the Lord. And because of all this understanding, we're trying to persuade men, the Amplified said, to be reconciled to him. Because we're made manifest to God. We're not hiding anything from God. This is why we're trying to persuade men. Hey, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to... You're not going to be able to hide. You may be able to fool everybody around you, but you're not going to be able to fool him. So for this reason, I'm trying to persuade you. You need to be in a right relationship with God. You need to be in a relationship that's pleasing to God, that's acceptable to God. This should be an aim, an ambition. This should be something you're striving for. This is something we live for, right? This is what Paul... Does that make sense, those three verses now? Looking at that, this is what Paul's declaring. This is why people have this passion, like the Rodriguez, to reach and tell somebody about Jesus. Like so many, like we, you want to tell, it's not to get chalk marks on a board. No, 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 no. We're persuading men because we understand this about the Lord and about time and about our lives and giving an answer. That's what Paul's declaring. And so when we understand that, our motive becomes to please him, to be accepted of him, but not just us. But I want to persuade everyone that way. You got that? Now, I, I know that was 12 minutes of walking through, reading all that and walking through that, in case you're keeping time. But I wanted us to understand that context. Now, he says all that, and we understand 
if we'd have read all of 2 Corinthians, the first four chapters, I can't do enough to please him or to be accepted of him. I don't earn his acceptance. See, that's human reasoning. If my relationship with Brother Lewis has been broken and I'm trying to get it healed and restored, I'm trying to look at all, hey, maybe I can take you to lunch, buy you lunch. Can I buy you lunch? He's like, yep, let's do it. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I, saw, that your, I saw that your tire was going pretty, can I buy you a new set of tires? I'd like to, right? I, my human nature is looking for a way. Maybe I can find some way to, Get him to accept me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things to bridge this broken relationship. Does that make sense? We can all relate to that, can't we? Trying to extend an arm of help. Trying to find a way to... I just want to heal this that's broken. I... In, in marriage, some people come to a point where they have a divorce. And one of the reasons that's often cited for divorce is, you've probably heard this word, these words, irreconcilable differences. Anybody ever heard that? Irreconcilable differences. It means we couldn't work out the stuff that had severed the relationship. Does that make sense? That's what it means. Irreconcilable differences. Our differences became so great and it became so fractured and so broken that we couldn't repair it. It could not be reconciled. We couldn't make it right. Can I tell you something that the Apostle Paul is wanting us to understand in these three verses? We labor to be accepted and please God. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat. And we're going to receive in our body the things that we've done, whether good or bad. And I'm going to tell you, we can't do enough good to make up for the bad. My sin and your sin became a difference that I and you could not reconcile. My sin and your sin, my wrong and your wrong, my bad and your bad, my motives and my impure thoughts and my wrong actions and my waste of time and the ways I failed and violated His Word. I could not in myself, I can't do enough to repair the relationship. And you can't either. From our perspective as human beings. This relationship with God. Is irreconcilable. Because I and you don't have the ability to make it right. You understand this? Paul is trying to get that across because watch. Verse 14. Or verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12. Sorry. I need to read this. So he said all that. Then verse 12, he said, For we commend not ourselves. So that's why he finished verse 11. I trust also we're made manifest in your consciences. And then he says, We commend not ourselves again to you. In other words, we're not bragging on ourselves to you. Well, let me tell you the good stuff we've done now, that we've made these turns and been pleasing to God. We don't commend ourselves to you, 
But we give you occasion to glory on our behalf. Talk about what we've done well. Recognize these things. That you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Want me to read that to you in the Amplified? Verse 12. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but are giving you an occasion to be rightfully proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in outward appearances, the virtues they pretend to have, rather than what is actually in their heart. In other words, Paul said, we're just telling you this because we want you to be able to, remember he talked about discerning? We want you to see the difference between true fruit and false fronts. Okay? Verse 13, if we are out of our mind, just unstable fanatics, as some people say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's to your benefit. Now, verse 14. I'm going to keep reading in the Amplified. No, King James. Verse 14 in the King James. You with me? Then we'll read the Amplified. Watch. You got this whole context now. For the love of Christ constrains us. I got revelation Monday morning when I was praying. Some people think it can seem like when we teach on a series of subjects that maybe we're doing this nice series and it's pre-planned. Most of the time it's not. And I look back and go, oh my goodness, we could have made a series out of that. That was a series the Lord... When we spoke a couple of Thursday nights ago, I lose track of time, about Peter, do you love me? Remember that? Feed my lambs. And we spoke about Peter and his love for God and those different types of love. Agape and filial. And then on Sunday in, see, we added another service. I really can't keep up. On Sunday morning, we spoke about the love of God being perfected in us. It wasn't until Monday morning that I realized the connection between those two things. The one was God loving, Peter loving God. And then the other, only way for him to truly do that, to get from a phileo to agape, is for the love of God to flow through his life. Well, so how is the love of God perfected in my See, the Lord's trying to take us somewhere. And I, I now have a glimpse of where we're going. And we're not going to get there tonight all the way. But I have a glimpse now. And I'm telling you, I'm excited. And I understand this. The love of God has got to be an operation for it to work. So we see these things that we read in verse 9, 10, and 11 about the judgment seat of Christ and laboring to try to please Him. And... Our recognition of these things causing us to seek to persuade people. And here we see Paul saying, it's not me trying to persuade people. This is what he's talking about here, okay? You got, you got context? This makes sense now? Paul is saying, the love of Christ is constraining me. understanding what I do about the judgment seat of Christ and the desire to please Him and desire to be in right relationship with Him and accepted of Him and knowing I'm going to be judged for the good and the bad of my life and recognizing that i, I got to persuade men and I'm not trying to persuade men because I'm good and I'm fearful. I'm constrained, Sister Yesenia, by the love of God. 
It's the love of God reaching through you and through me. It's the love of God that constrains me. Not because I'm a good person. Not because, oh, I've got some office as elder, so that's what I'm supposed to. No, no, there's the love of God that says, I've got to help this person. I've got to persuade them. I've got to help them to see and understand what the word of God says. Because if I don't, that difference is never going to be reconciled. It's going to be an irreconcilable difference. They've got to know there's hope. There's a way. Trying to persuade men, but not in my own ability, not in my intellect, not in my persuasive manner in human ability. But the love of God constrains us. Because we thus judge. You got that? Remember, we're all going to sit before the judgment seat of Christ. But the love of God compels us is what the Amplified says. The love of God compels us because we thus judge. That if one died for all then we're all dead. I lost my place. This problem with using multiple versions. Then we're all dead. Verse 15. And that he died for all. Why? Why did he die for all? This is important. That they which live, that's us, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. How do I do that? How do I stop living for myself? And start living for him who died for me. The love of God is still the motivator. I recognize his love for me. Right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not. Doesn't say would not. Should not. There's a choice to make. Should not perish but have everlasting life. And so it's the, I recognize the love of God in him laying down his life for me. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. I recognize the love of God bestowed upon me, undeserving. And because of that, I'm compelled or constrained by the love of God to give up my life to live for him who died for me. Does this make See how we miss I know this is elementary, but we need to see what the word of God is telling us. And why we must, why the adversary wants to keep us from receiving the love of God. And why our motive must be the love of God. Now. Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Again, King James Go with me to the Amplified, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. That's exactly what Paul was saying. I don't know. Well, you know, this is what I think about Brother Lewis. Not human point of view. Remember what he said earlier? We talked about spiritual discerning your own consciences, where he referenced spiritual discernment in verse 12. That's what he's saying here. Hey, we no longer know people after the flesh. We don't know them after our human point of view. I don't just look and go, well, I know this about Abel, and because I saw and heard and witnessed in the flesh, I saw what he did. No, 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 no. We're now spiritually discerning. Now the love of God is compelling me. Now the love of God is motivating me. And so now when I'm looking on my brother, I'm not looking. I don't know him after the flesh. 
Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. He was saying, hey, Christ was here in earthly form, but he's not here anymore. But we still know him. But we don't know him as a man that walked on the earth with us. We know him spiritually. We have this spiritual relationship. See, Paul is trying to move the Corinthian church past criticizing and seeing a brother or sister or seeing a lost world through the eyes of human flesh and saying, I need the love of God to change my perspective. I need to see through the lens of the agape love of God. And when when I do, I persuade men. Now, we haven't even got what we're persuading them yet, but we'll see. My phone should stay on it. Help me. So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view according to worldly standards and values. We don't measure them based on the world's standards and values. Though we've known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in this way. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have become because spiritual awakening brings a new life. That's important because of being judged of things good or bad. This is why you must be born again. Old things, previous moral and spiritual condition, New things, spiritual awakening brings a new life. Verse 18. But all these things are from God. Who reconciled us to himself. By Jesus Christ. Making us acceptable to him. Aha. We labor to be accepted of him. Verse 9, right? We labor to be accepted of him. Verse 18, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example, we might bring others to him. Now I want to read that in the King James. And all things are God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember I said, you and I, we can't do anything to repair the fractured relationship with God. Right. And God knew that. But God so desired relationship with you and I. That he said, I can reconcile the relationship. Those things done bad in their life that would make differences irreconcilable from their vantage point. From the human point of view. I can. I know what I'll do. I'll robe myself in flesh and go dwell among them. And I'll take all of their bad that they would be judged for on myself. 
so that they do not have to bear the responsibility for all of their bad, all of their sin, all of their failure, all of their misuse of time and motive and action. I'll take all that on myself and I'll pay the price. I'll die. One died for all. And I'll do all of that. Why? I want to reconcile them to myself. Do you understand the love that God has for you? I don't know if we do. A love that said, I love them too much to let them pay the price that they're supposed to pay. And so I'm going to pay the price because I want to have a relationship with them. And so I'm willing as God to condescend to low estate. He took on himself the form of a servant, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Why? To reconcile you and I to himself. To bring you into a right relationship with him. Now if that's all he did. But watch. Once he reconciles you to himself. He then gives you and I the ministry of reconciliation. God working in us. We now have the ministry of reconciliation. We persuade men. See it all fitting together now? We persuade men. But what's compelling us? What's constraining us to persuade men? Not fear. The love of God. How is the love of God compelling me? Because I recognize the love he had for me. And when I realized the love he had for me and the length that he would go to to bring me back in right relationship, I'm persuaded to tell somebody else. You don't have to live like you're living. You don't have to stay in bondage to sin. You don't have to live in fear of loss of life because of wrong choices. You can be brought back. You may think the adversary's been lying to you. The adversary said there's no way you can ever get back. You've made too many mistakes. You've messed up too bad. You've done too much wrong. You failed too many times. You can never get back in the relationship with God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God knew we couldn't do it on our own. So he said, I'm going to make a way. I will reconcile them to myself. I'll die in their place so they can be right. God wants right relationship with you. But he knew you and I couldn't do it. So he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Do you understand there's not enough wrong you could do that could override the price he paid to make the relationship between you and him right? Somebody needs to let that sink into your spirit. That's the love of God for you. Brother Lewis, he loves you completely. Sister Jasmine, he loves you completely, totally. 
enough that he said, I'll do what you can't do to make our relationship all I want it to be. He loves you, Sister Lori. Alex, he loves you. So much so that he'd take your place. I could just keep going down the road, you understand? I think we're getting it. You couldn't get back to him. I couldn't get back to him because of my failures and mistakes and sin. Sin created a gulf I could not cross. So he did. Why? It was an expression of his love for you. The adversary says, irreconcilable differences. Jesus said, hold on a minute. I can fix that. I can reconcile. I can restore the relationship. Pray with me before we read just a little further. Would you talk? Maybe you just want to thank him. I don't know. But would you talk to him? Would you? I, I feel the manifest love of God in this room right now. Come on, would you open your spirit? And receive the love that he has for you. Come on, would you open your spirit and receive the love that he has for you? Would you be willing to say, Lord, I receive the love you have for me. I receive that. I receive the restoration of relationship that you brought. I receive it, Lord. Thank you for your love. 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 Now, that's explained in verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It's the second time. Verse 18, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Again, I want to read this in the Amplified. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example we might bring others to him. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is, restoration to favor with God. He has given us when he bought you with a price, when you accepted his love, when you allowed a restoration of relationship with him. He then said, now you've received my love. You've recognized what my love has brought you to. I'm giving you a ministry. I'm giving you a ministry to operate in. Not only am I giving you a ministry, I'm giving you a message to go with that ministry. I'm giving you a word to speak. And you're going to speak it and you're going to persuade men. And your persuasion is going to come from a place of the love 
love of God and what he's done for you. And you're going to go and you're going to speak to men. You're going to speak to women. And when you do, the love of God is going to be made manifest. And you're going to speak words to those that see no hope. And you're going to be able to show them a restoration to right relationship with me. The same way I restored you. This is God's plan for you and for me. It is a ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus' name, according to the word of God, I release it to be in operation through the people of God. According to the word of God, I release it to be in operation through your people. The word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation with authority, conviction as the love of God flows through us to accomplish your design and your desire, O Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You didn't earn this ministry. I didn't earn this ministry. It was given us when we received of him. Now watch. How significant is this? How important? Watch verse 20. Now I'm finishing. So we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what that means? I'm operating an ambassador. You know, countries have, like the United States has ambassadors in different countries. You understand those ambassadors speak on behalf of the president. When they're ambassadors. They're not the president. But they speak on his behalf. An ambassador is not that person, but they speak. Their word carries the authority of the one they speak for. You getting this? You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've been given the word of reconciliation. To what degree of authority have you been given this? You are ambassadors for Christ. You and I are ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. When you speak a word of reconciliation, it's as though God is speaking through you to that lost soul that sees no hope. It's as though God is speaking through you to that life that sees no way out. I'm telling you, there is a ministry of reconciliation that God is wanting to impart and exercise through his people. When we receive the love of God and open our mouth and speak, we won't produce it. It will flow out of us and lives will be reconciled to God. This is his desire and his plan. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We, as Christ's representatives, plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to judicially be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him. 
by his gracious loving kindness. Would you stand with me? Itamane kotoyoshitamana. Ilamataye kotorhoboshitihabakata. In the name of Jesus. 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 It's for you. It's for you. This right relationship, it's for you. He died. An expression of his love to reconcile you. Stop believing the lies of the adversary. The love of God reconciled you. And he wants this ministry operating in mine and your life. I'm asking you, I'm opening this altar. If you're saying, God, I will, I want to, I want to walk in this ministry, I want to receive of you what. You want me to receive? I don't want you to come kneel. I don't want you to come kneel. If you're saying, I want to receive, and I want to walk in this ministry of reconciliation, I want to speak this word as the Lord prompts it through my spirit. I'm a vessel, Lord. I'm a willing ambassador. I'm submitting myself as a willing ambassador. I'm submitting myself as a willing ambassador for the ministry of reconciliation. Well, this isn't about what you feel. I, I, I realize there's this clear witness of the Holy Ghost, but this is not about what we feel. It's a response to his word and a holding to his word in faith in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, be ye reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Where there are fractured relationships, I pray restoration in the name of Jesus. By the love of God, by the love of God, restoration of relationship. Reconciliation by the blood, by the word, and by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And according to your word, I pray, Lord Jesus, by your spirit impart the ministry and the word of reconciliation into the hungry heart, into the willing heart. I pray a commissioning of ambassadors in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. According to your word, Jesus, according to your word, Jesus. By your spirit operating in and through us for your glory and your purpose. Uh, lead us, O oh God, to persuade men. 
Itamaye Torobo Sataye Iarabaki Orobo Sataye Bahaya Hilobo Santo Reye Kiarabashi Totoboye Kitaha In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we must walk in it. So what does that mean? Does that mean i got to memorize 490 Bible verses and be able to tell you where all of them are and then be able to sit down and give everybody a four-hour Bible study? And No. It may lead to that. It may lead to that. But we no longer see men. Remember what he said? We don't see from a human point of view. I see from the spiritual. I see a life from a spiritual vantage point. And then I recognize I've got a ministry that can bring them into right relationship with God. I have a word from God that can bring them into right relationship. And I'm not just speaking as someone. I'm speaking as an ambassador of Christ. Be reconciled to God. You say, what do I tell them? If you don't know anything else, just tell them, do you know you've done so much bad stuff that you can never get back right with God? But God, not you, I'm just an example. <laughs> but God loved you so much that he wrapped himself in flesh and died. And he'll give you his goodness. He'll take your sin. He'll give you his righteousness. He'll bring you back in right relationship with him. He'll make the trade with you. That's where I'd start. That's the verse Paul gave him, verse 21. Memorize that one. Tell him that one. And then just tell him, it's the love God has for you. It's the love God has for you. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, and I'm probably going to say it again. We are not gathering people to ourselves. We're reconciling them to God. We're not trying to build a group around ourselves. We're reconciling them to God. Reconciling them to God. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Go in Jesus' name. Go reconcile. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.